hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Yes, Suckatash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcast. And also interviews with comedians, comedian soundcasters, and other showbiz folk. And now, here's your host, internationally recognized comedy soundcast, soundcaster, Mark... Thank you, Bill Haywa, and greetings, honored Soundcast listener. I am Mark Hershon, your every other weekly host, creator, and executive producer of this here Suckatash, the Comedy Soundcast Soundcast. Special thanks to my erudite and unflappable alternating host of this show, Tyson Saner. Those who follow this show closely enough, is that you? May have noticed that we missed dropping an episode a couple weeks ago. Then Tyson picked up the slack last week with Epi 315, which should have been my episode the preceding week, following so far. No, well, I screwed up. That's what happened. Anyway, here's what happened. I was traveling for business, not succotash business, but my day job business. And I was clipping soundcast while I was on the road, listening to shows on planes, editing them in my hotel room, and trying to get that show together. Then I got Delta shitty hand Our keen-eared listener heard what I did there. And I had a flight cancel on the last leg before home. Not just before home, but before I could return to the nerd nest where I am now and my precious soundcasting equipment. Short story long, I couldn't get her done in time to make it worth dropping for that week. It was going to be a show devoted to comedy sports soundcast, so I had to shelve that for a future show. And Tyson, bless his heart, reshuffled the show numbers so that in the box score that is the Succotash archives, no one will ever know that I screwed up. And now I owe my colleague one. Cash it in anytime, Tyson. If you happen to miss episode 315 entitled The Three Clip Tango, Tyson featured snippets from a trio of comedy soundcasts which included the Winnebago Boys, Oxventure, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, and the Todd Glass Show. It was really a lovely roundup, and I urge you to jump back a week into our feed and grab yourself an earful. Access that episode from your favorite Soundcast dispensary, including, and I'm going to give you a pretty complete rundown here of where you can find us. Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Audible, the Android app, Odyssey, Blogger, Facebook, Ghana, Not sure what that is. G-A-A-N-A. Ghana. iHeartRadio. The iPhone app. LinkedIn. Player.fm. Podbay. Podchaser. Radio Public. SoundCloud. YouTube. And now, after a lengthy boycott, but now all has been forgiven, back on Spotify. And of course, every episode we've churned out over the last 11 and a half years can be scooped up in our archives at our home site, Suckatashshow.com. So, now that I'm finally back in the saddle, what do I have in store for you on episode 316, you might ask? Well, my sports comedy soundcast show I might do next time, but for this week, as teased by Tyson at the end of the last episode, I do have a Suckatash chat in store with none other than Blaine Kapach. Blaine is a stand-up comedian, but oh, so much more. He's a writer, a sketch performer, a husband, a father, a son, and a druid. Well, he plays a druid on a soundcast we featured here a few times over the years, Brian Posehn's Nerd Poker. 
a wonderfully funny and occasionally insane show where Brian Blaine and a clutch of other pals play Dungeons and Dragons. Before we get to the convo, I thought I'd set the stage a bit by playing a clip, since that's our main stock in trade here, from Nerd Poker and last week's action-packed episode. Besides Blaine and Brian, the rest of the cast includes Ken Daly, Sarah Gazzardo, Chris Tallman, Dungeon Master Dan Telfer, and Engineer Sam Kiefer. Here's a snippet of the action from Season 5, Episode 4, entitled Silent Flying Death. Hey, Blaine, will you roll an insight check for me? Yes. <clears throat> to determine whether I'm going to throw you a bone? Uh, 18 plus 4, 22. You do think that you could wild shape into something that could get through here? Well, I was thinking about that, but I was also uh, trying to think of something that would, that would be able to get through and, and get, uh, uh, get other people through. Uh, I mean, with, well, that, with that insight check, you do think there's probably a way to disarm this, uh, you know, like to, to clear the path, but you, but, uh, you haven't really tried to. Well, yeah, know, we don't have a rogue, do we, this time? Okay, well. Uh, uh, it would be a sleight of hand check, basically. Hey, can, hey uh, uh, I'm going to, can I do something, Dan? No. <laughs> of course. Can I, uh, uh, can I put up my little folding, uh, uh, folding change thing? My little paper folding your screen, uh, your dressing uh, uh, screen. screen and uh, I'll throw my clothes over it and then I come mm. out and I'm a little uh, a grassy snake. Oh. And yeah, I you'll sort get of... under everything if you go that way. You can head on up to Ronnie and say hello. Okay, so he's through. Um, I go up to Fire Jolly and I pull a coin out from behind his ear. Oh my God in heaven. <laughs> and I say, I have a bit of a knack. I did used to do shows, um, just a little bit of, of sleight of hand. Perhaps I should try to disarm it, or should we try to all get through? What do you think? Oh, if, if it's a disarmable thing, yes, of course. I could help you by giving you blessings from the Silver Flame. Ronnie, what do you think? Does that sound good? You're on the other side. If we fail, that, that bundle's going to come down right on you, so... And Dr. Ruid now. <laughs> we really need your, we need your buy-in. Well, I, well can I... Is there a way for me to uh, to sort of slither up the uh, the side of the uh, the walls towards the top of the to kind of get up and look around? Hi, Rhodes. In snake form, so my snake can get all yeah. over the place. Yeah, give me an investigation Ooh. check. <laughs> Blaine, that's gonna get you in trouble. Uh, hey, how about a one? Oh, <laughs> oh nice. that snake landed right on that on that nice. leathery thing. Well, we're gonna. Well, I'm gonna make this. I'm gonna make this really interesting. Uh, Blaine, you know, Dr. Uwood slithers up the cave wall. He's he's darting around and he's kind of like really, I'm going to get a full lay of the land. And you kind of like wriggle your body and you realize very quickly you've completely tangled your body around the tripwires attached to the wall. And if you move an inch, including change to another shape, you could set one of these things off. Okay. Good. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Just the way I'm I want picturing. Me. Sir Hiss from the... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you are unfamiliar with RPGs, that's role-playing games, and particularly Dungeons & Dragons, I can't help you. Well, I probably could. I've been playing since 1979, but we just don't have the time. Blaine's and my acquaintanceship, acquaintancy, acquaintedness, goes back a few decades to the San Francisco comedy scene, which we talk about a little bit in our chat. And we're going to get to that chat 
but we've got to get the business out of the way, which is a commercial from none other than our perennial non-paying 100% fake sponsor, Henderson's Pants, and they're just in time for baby toddler trowel. Friends at Henderson's Pants, we've noticed that adults, teens, and children are not the only ones wearing the pants in the family these days. Believe it or not, even little babies are fond of wearing a well-tailored pant now and again. But up until now, they were limited in their selection of lower body garments in that most of what is available are simply just baby pants. Baggy, shapeless, and with little to show off that fast-developing physique. Henderson's is proud to introduce Henderson's Toddler Trousers. These slick slacks are the kind of infant wear that can make even the most preoccupied paste eater sit up and take notice. The extra layers of material in the knee and buttock help to assure hours of comfortable crawling and soft landings for when baby goes boom. And the bit of extra given the crotch keeps your tyke from that most unsightly of sandbox no-nos, the dreaded diaper toe. Isn't it about time for Junior to crawl out in comfort and style? Henderson's toddler trousers come in a variety of luxurious fabrics, the kind found in the finest men's suits on the market today. But Henderson's serge, corduroy, and linen stock has been married with state-of-the-art polyfiber blends, which not only assure years of durable wear, but enough stretchability that today's baby will still be wearing those spiffy duds when it comes time to accept his or her diploma as your now-adult offspring graduates from high school. Originally designed for use by Hollywood's little people, jockeys, and chimpanzee astronauts, Henderson's toddler trousers are now available wherever clothes for tiny little humans are sold. That's Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1896. And now, back to Succotash. Thank you for that inspired spot reading, Bill Haywatt. If you, listener, have a company, product, or service you'd like to have advertised on this very program, well, not this episode, that that ship has sailed, but on a future installment of Succotash, we would love to partner up with you to make that happen. We have very reasonable ad rates, and all you need to do to get that ball rolling is drop us a line at ads, A-D-S, at succotashshow.com. All right, without further ado, here is my chat with our special guest, Blaine Kapach. The coolest station online. Yeah, that's us. Because we play this. We're here to talk to you, Lane Kapach. Ah. Welcome to Suckatash. We also call podcast soundcasts here because the iPod stopped being produced in 2016. So figured why give them why give them all the credit? I uh, I got very very angry with when they got rid of the click wheel and then uh, uh, they discontinued the whole thing. Yes. And, and I, I had, the, I think, the next to last generation and I dropped it. Oh. And I didn't want to get a new one because it was just so full of junk. And so I, had, I bought an old one online. <laughs> do you still have it? I do. It's great. Nice. It's all, it's all loaded up. Cool. Well, I'm so glad you could join me today. Um, I've been wanting to get you on for a while. And uh, first of all, we have featured nerd poker on our show uh-huh. several times i have in i've reviewed nerd poker for vulture.com's this week in comedy podcast i don't know if you've seen any of those reviews but uh-huh. i think the last time you guys had Patton on uh i think oh, that was I, a while ago yeah a while ago i did a review of that so and then of course being an inveterate D player myself i figured uh i had to get to you at some point sooner or later <laughs> But I know you've been, you're a super busy guy. You do a lot of writing. 
You do uh, a lot of interesting performances that I'd love to talk to you more about if you want to talk about uh, some of the live stuff that you do. I know a lot of it was eclipsed during, <laughs> during COVID, of course. <laughs> yes, preclipsed. And uh, I think you work with a, a soundcast friend of mine. I've, I've only met her a couple of times, but Christine Blackburn. Oh, yeah, I know Christine. Christine's uh, uh, very sweet. I, I see her all the time. I yeah, would do her her game show. I'd be a judge on her game show, Story Smash. Yes. And it was, uh, we did it every week or, yeah, I don't know, every week, every couple of weeks on Zoom during the pandemic. And it was really the only time I was getting any sort of muscles flexed. So it was, uh, I was very thankful to it. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So she, uh, she's been a, a good friend of, of our, of our show. Um, I, we used to go to the, um, Los Angeles Podcast Festival every year when they were doing that. LAPC. Yeah. PCF. Five-year endeavor. And she was always there and she'd always help me wrangle up guests to uh, get on the microphone. Let's, I, let's talk about, first of all, kind of your comedy beginnings, because uh, that's where you and I first met. I was producing shows in San Francisco and you were performing them in San Francisco. That, well, that was in 92 to 95. I started in Baltimore in 85. Okay. So, and I moved to San Francisco in 1992 and uh, was there for just the perfect three years. It could not have been a more, I figured I would be there at least three years. I would try to get into Los Angeles somehow. Yeah. And, uh, and it kind of gradually happened and then happened all at once. You know how I shelf collapses, but I ended up, uh, Patton and I got hired to be, be writers on the Mad TV pilot. Oh, sure. And we moved down to, uh, it got us moved down to LA from San Francisco and we were broke. We needed the money, but uh, uh, the show got picked up. We got picked up with it. It was uh, uh, very fortunate. But uh, cool. yeah, I was doing stand up, uh, what, six, seven years when I got to, to San Francisco. And it was like finishing school there, I felt. That because uh, uh, I always knew it had a real history to it. I always knew I wanted to go to San Francisco, end up in California somehow. But you know, yeah. I was in I was in Baltimore. I was like, you know, I could go to Boston and play the same circuit up there, and then come into New York. But I I knew I had to end up in Los Angeles. So that was the best conduit. Yeah, it was an accident, like uh, tripping up the steps. Everybody saw me, but they laughed. And I mean, your your comedy. From what I remember of of your standup at that time, because I was just when you came in, I was just phasing out of working with Fox Productions. So I had been helping them. You know, first of all, I ran the Comedy Underground in Seattle for three years in the early '80s, mm -hmm. and then I moved back. I was the sort of the director of the Comedy Underground Improv Group, which was the house group at the Punchline on Monday nights for a while, and I was helping them produce the comedy competition. Uh, <sighs> which was a big draw for comics from around the country to think they could break into the, the circuit. Yeah, well, it got me, I did it in 92 and it got me into the punchlines. Uh, Jeff Will saw me and, you know, I, d I did all right. I did okay the first time. Second time I made it to the semis and it was, uh, it was not, you know, it was, <laughs> it was me in the semis. Started, started off good. It can be, yeah, it can be, it's an interesting process, regardless of where you end up sort of in the field. Um, and I think, you know, it has its pluses and minuses as competitions do, but it does. Wouldn't trade it for the world. It was fantastic. Yeah, it gives you, it, it creates exposure and whatnot. So once you moved to LA, did you keep doing stand up, or did you really kind of phase <clears throat> mostly to writing? 
Uh, well, you know, I was doing a lot of staff. I was working on staff, so that was like a regular job. And then I would go out at night because I was still young. I would uh, uh, I would go to whatever clubs I could. There was a lot of like like weird rooms, bookstore type shows, underground rooms and stuff. But there was a there was one place called Diamond Club, mm. and it's gone now. But that's where everybody was doing like weird shows. Uh, uh, everybody kind of when I got here, I felt that that. Uh, uh, that I was good in San Francisco, but then I came down here and everybody was good. And everybody, all the best people from different cities were coming here. So it was, everybody was really good and everybody was really different. And Diamond Club was this mix of stand-up comedians like me and Patton. And uh, uh, and then there were, were actors that had never done stand-up that were super funny. And there were writers that weren't actors or comics and they were doing characters and stuff. And, and it was like Mary Lynn and Laura Milligan and Jack Black and Paul Tompkins and Jay Johnston and uh, 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 David Cross, Bob Odenkirk, I, that whole thing was going on. And Dana Gould was in there. So there was like, there were, it, it, was, it was intimidating, but very fun and everybody's game got upped. And uh, uh, that place is gone. It's on, it was on the corner of Hollywood and uh, Highland or La Brea, I think. Yeah, yeah, I remember it because I was down in LA during the the mid to late '90s. Yes, that was when the, this was all going on, and then that scene kind of everybody bounced around until rooms started to come into focus, and then that room turned into Largo, pretty much. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so is- yeah, so I, I was doing like I, I was able to to I was fortunate enough to be able to work in the daytime. I was working on a network show; it was a lot of fun. And then, uh, and very informative and, and instructional. And then I would go out at night and I would be able to, to do stand up. So it was, it was tiring, but it was a blast. You stayed in contact with obviously a lot of your comedy buddies through that system, right? So that's the other benefit of still going out and doing the work. Yeah. Well, yeah. Everybody I knew was, was, uh, was a comic, you know, and, and uh, I had known a lot of people, a lot of people that I knew in San Francisco had come down here either before or after I came down here. And it was like, uh, uh, it was like Brian Posehn was down here and all, all those guys. You know, I had a lot of friends that had moved down here. I had a social base, which was nice. And uh, I was able to go out and, sorry. That's all right. You know, little kid running around. He was yeah, just- a young, young patch. Yeah, he's just like me, he's a uh, poor kid. Uh, so, uh, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, I, I was able to keep up with people and, and it was sort of a, a, an odd time for clubs down here. I thought like the improv and the comedy store were kind of these, uh, uh, these relics that people didn't really go to. I did, I did the improv. I didn't go to the, the comedy store too much. It was very, very strange and haunted and, and yellowed over there. It's great. Now there's a complete Renaissance going on, especially at the store. Interesting. Uh, but uh, but yeah, the uh, nobody really did like the improv or any of that stuff. And if you did go there, it would be, you know, not a lot of not big crowds, and the hallway would smell like a toilet. It was you know, comic yeah. Club and, stuff. And, but but Hollywood would use it to showcase comics, right? I mean, TV people would like set up a showcase. Yeah, go there, and it, there'd be like thirty people in the audience, and then three guys in the back just sort of being judgmental. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I think a lot of people went to the went to Laugh Factory for that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so, uh, uh, but yeah, I think that was. It was like the network. The networks were dying 
back then and the uh and the upstart streaming services were kind of coming up and that's where uh that's where where i was lucky enough to be i think once you kind of went through through that process and mad tv sort of came to an end what where'd you go after that uh i left mad tv after season four and i was i was kind of burned on mad and and uh i worked with mike short who's martin short's brother and he Hmm. took me with him to martin short's syndicated talk show oh i worked on that for a, a season and left that uh and then i was after that, I kind of bounced around. I worked on the Jamie Kennedy experiment. It was produced by the same guys who did Mad TV. Okay. Uh, I think I did. I think I hosted Beat the Geeks after that. So I was a game okay. show host for a season. That was fun. I got a suit out of it. And then, uh, and then after that, I went to Blue Collar TV. I think, and I was on there for a couple of years. That was fun. The Jeff Foxworthy, Larry the Cable Guy, Bill Engvall sketch show that was on the WWWB. And that was that was great. Again, that was a uh, 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 produced by the Mad TV guys, Fax Bar and Adam Small. I'm sorry if I'm babbling. I had nine coffees. No, that's okay. Uh, but then, uh, and then I was on Mind of Mencia for a couple of seasons. Don't tell anyone. Interesting. Uh, that and that was the head writer of that was Brian Hart, and Brian Hart was also the head writer of Blue Collar TV, and he was uh, the head writer of Mad TV. He was on Kids in the Hall, and I met him on Mad. Oh, no kidding! So okay. yeah, it's like I I, I have a, a lot of friends that I that I know from writing. A lot of people, I, and they're also comics. Yeah, you know. So there's, I have my feet in a lot of pies, Mark. <laughs> I like the fact your feet are in pies. That's. <laughs> The live show, I, I'm just drawing a blank on it. It's is it Lucha Vavoom? Yes, yes. Lucha I'm doing. Vavoom. I'm doing it tonight. Lucha doing, Vavoom. Yeah, I'm doing it downtown at the Mayan. It's Mexican so, wrestling and burlesque. Fantastic. Which I've, <clears throat> I've never been in LA when it's going, and I've always wanted to see it because yeah. it just sounds fantastic. But just for 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 our listener, uh, single listener, of course, uh, what what is the show? Uh, it is a it is three or four Mexican wrestling lucha libre matches, and in between there will be uh, uh, aerial performers or burlesque performers. Guy on a pogo stick stripping, girl comes out of an egg, somebody gets sacrificed, just just all sorts of crazy stuff. And then uh, I host it and do uh, color commentary on the the matches. We've so, done these for twenty years now. Now is this your brainchild? No, this was this this was from uh, Rita D. Albert and Liz Fairbairn, and it came out of Velvet Hammer Burlesque. Ooh. And I was doing Velvet Hammer Burlesque, which was sort of like a neo retro burlesque, but not like Pussycat Dolls, Suicide Girls. It was like vintage, like vintage uh, 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 tattoo people. Okay. <laughs> and uh sorry i have i'm thinking through covid i don't have covid but i'm just using it as an excuse to no, know I what i'm talking about but um uh i was doing baggy pants dumb stupid stand-up stuff and hosting these shows it would be like me and ron lynch and and craig anton did a bad this bad tumbling family or bad mustaches and we couldn't tumble and we'd fall off ladders and stuff and ron lynch would go out with you know a uh, grease paint tape mustache that would move around his head and stuff and uh and that those sort of uh, uh, though that Velvet Hammer was hired or asked to bring girls to this Lucha Libre film festival and have okay. ring girls go out between these wrestlers. 
and uh and then i just sort of talked in between because it was just sitting there <laughs> so uh and it turned into lucha vavoom and it's it's so much fun it's really really fun we toured all over the world with it and you've been doing it for 20 years 20 years so then what was the impetus to start getting together to play D and D? First of all, just to play D and D. Had that been something <laughs> you've been doing as a kid? Is it something you started? Yeah, I played when I was fifteen. And it yeah. was it's super important to me. I mean, can't can't tell you. It was like a a, a kind of Star Wars for me. Yeah, you know, I had the books and I had the dice all the time. I just I just live in it. I'd draw. I'd write. Just lived in D and D. And. Uh, then I didn't play for, and I played Traveler too. I played Star Frontiers and you know a few different games, but mostly D and D and Traveler. Yeah. And then when I was down in Los Angeles after a while, I'm talking with Patton and Brian and Dave Anthony and all these people. We're up on a rooftop. I think we're at Dave Anthony's place, and uh, we're up on a rooftop, and we were talking to this guy who Scott, who turned out to be Sark, our dungeon master. <laughs> and uh, we just started talking about, you know, we're all, we all wish we could play. We never play. And Scott's like, I, I have a dun I'm a dungeon master. So we st just started playing together. We would play over at, uh, at Brian Posehn's house. We would play at Chris, Fair uh, Chris Hardwick's uh, office space. We would play at Patton's a couple times. We, and it was just, a, it was me, Patton, Brian Posehn, Jerry Duggan, Ken Daly, Chris Hardwick, Sark, and another guy named Chris. And we just got together on Sundays and we weren't married. We didn't have kids. <laughs> and our girlfriends or whatever would let us just hang out for five or six or eight hours on a Sunday. And we'd just hang out and, you know, smoke pot and play and talk. It was like a poker game. And so that's kind of where we got the term nerd poker. Which is just great. Ner just nerds playing it, poker. It's the perfect, it's the perfect name. For yes. what that is <laughs> uh and we did and we just played for we played for 10 years before we started podcasting it uh we didn't really want to podcast it because we thought it wouldn't be very engaging it's just us talking about nuts and bolts D, &D stuff but you know it, it did turn into kind of a fun thing and it has a structure to it and we're all we're all performers and we all know what we have to do and have to bring to it so it's it's a lot of fun to put on it's very seat of the pantsy yeah but, you know, seat of the pants is best seat in the house. There you go. There you go. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun to listen to. The fact you guys are comics. I mean, you're obviously got to be aware of Critical Role. Yeah, well, those guys did. Uh, we do Patreon episodes where people guest on it. And they play, came in and, and did a few episodes with us that couldn't be cooler, couldn't be more gracious. And they, yeah. they take it a different kind of seriously than we do. You know, yeah. every every D&D group is different. So. That's what's great about the podcast, I think. There's a lot of them, but they're all different. They're all very different, which very, is very, very different. Yeah. For a while, you guys were uh, part of Earwolf. You had a studio, you had microphone, pro microphones, <laughs> and an engineer, and all this other stuff. And then what happened? Well, we still that? have that stuff. No, I know you And know, uh, right? uh, uh, we still have our engineer, too. Yeah, I know Sam is great. He's, uh, he, he also does office ladies, doesn't he? Does he? I think so, yeah. I think he also he, did, he does a million shows. He's uh, yeah. in demand. That Sam. Yeah, but so what happened at Earwolf? Why'd you guys kind of? You know, I I, I don't know. I think there was a. I, I stay completely out of any sort of the business and stuff. That's what I love about it. It's I just I, I just write funny sponsors and and goofy <laughs> jokes, and I try to try to have fun and keep it moving a little bit. That's great. But, I'm actually... uh, so I, I don't know about the business. I think there was just I think there was just a disagreement. 
and nobody agreed to do any more disagreeing and everybody left and oh. so i think everything's cool now but i don't but know so, so so then you got guys got back together i think you were off for like maybe a year and you got back together just in brian's house yes and then covid hit and covid hit we're gonna try to get back to brian's house soon but the COVID hit and, and we figured out how to do the Zoom. And it was like between doing the, the nerd poker and Christine Blackburn <laughs> story smash, it's like Zoom became very, very easy and very second nature. I, I, I love doing D&D on Zoom. It's a lot of fun. I have my, here's my dice. There you go. It's all right here. I can mess with it. You still, can, use, look, you still use actual dice? Yes. I love the dice part of it. Here's my little mini dice that I have that I sometimes use. Sometimes, Let's see if it's always there. Oh, okay. Oh, I have some of those guys. I have a little little black and green ones. It's very, it's all, it's all very tactile. Very That's visual. what I like about D and D. Yeah, you can write stuff and you hold it and look through the books. Yes, it's a, a lost kind of art. Yeah, which is great. So yeah, I was going to ask what that transition to the Zoom thing is because my my group also started doing Zoom and I think we use the same apps you guys do we got roll 20 which has the maps and we've got dnd beyond exactly i have you know what i it's like i have my i like dnd beyond because it shows me what i need to do with my characters because i'm not i don't pay too much attention and don't know about stuff i'm sure i don't use stuff it's fun tech enough i think you know i think it's good the thing that, that i do like about the zoom is when we do these patreon episodes where we have guests yeah uh we'll have tom lennon come on and he lives in michigan yeah. You know, or we'll have, a, 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 you know, Paul Tompkins from his house, wherever it is. And nobody has to go to anybody's house. It was, I mean, I love seeing everybody. And part of D&D is hanging out with your friends. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's after a while, it's like an hour to and from and it's late. We have kids and, you know, I'm in my 50s. You know, my bedtime is 830 for fuck's sake. Sorry, can I say fuck? Yes, please do. <laughs> can I say sake? <laughs> yes, you can say them, but not together. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's it's. Uh, I thought I, I have no problem with Zoom. I know. So I know people are like that think Zoom is a loss, but I think it's uh it's a different set of muscles and a lot of fun. Do you uh, do you get a chance to listen to other podcasts? Is it something that you enjoy listening to? Or you know, it- I do not. I'm not very podcast literate. I don't even listen to the ones that I'm on usually i i'll listen i'll listen to the ones that i'm on but uh uh but i don't as a rule listen to them i feel like if i'm listening to something i could be writing something well it's also right. i don't want my wife to see me just sitting around on the couch <laughs> like listening to something while she's my wife is a uh she's an animator and she's working for netflix she does compositing and stuff that, oh, so nice. she's got her desk set up and she actually has like a, a real actual non-comedian job and uh, I don't want to be sitting on the couch with my socks on, you know, watching Ozark. It creates, <laughs> you know, creates I'm trying to catch up on TV, honey. Creates tremendous animosity. I understand. Yes. I Same thing. Um, I don't want to take up more of your Friday, uh, but it was great to catch up with you and maybe have you back on at some point to. Oh, of course, uh, anytime. It's, it's great to talk to you, Mark. Uh, I created this thing for my group when we get back together. It's a, it's a tabletop display screen. And so I, I got a flat screen TV. I put it inside a black display case with a glass top. So you can right. lay it down and then you can project the Roll20 map in there, but use minis. Wow. Top, oh, that's great. On top of the glass. So oh my God. That's good. Been working on that. 
That's pretty yeah. good. You know, uh, uh, right before we started, uh, right before the, the pandemic hit, uh, our dungeon master, Dan Telfer, who is fantastic. What yes, a, a multi-talented, Dan. very funny, great writer, great dungeon master. Uh, he was uh, using Heroes Forge or Hero yeah. Forge stuff. We we have the our miniatures. Yes, uh, we had the that's Doctor Uid from season nice. three and five. He's my yeah. druid. Nice, uh, but within reach. But I have my figures here somewhere. <laughs> Uh, but we had uh, he was using all the 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 fake dungeon stuff, the walls and yes. the flooring and doorways and stuff, and it was just so much so much fun. And I can't believe how much fun it is playing Dungeons and Dragons, even in my fifties. If I went back in time and told myself at <laughs> age fifteen that I would be playing D and D and making money at it, yeah, <laughs> doing it on the radio millions of listeners for 10 years with some of the funniest people in the world That's i would amazing. probably help the jocks pants me <laughs> but it's uh, uh uh it's so weird because i when i was in high school mark i would get sucker punched in the stomach and shoved into lockers because i played D. people made fun of me and i had braces on whatever tuck my shirt into my jeans <laughs> i was i was a dork but uh uh but I took a lot of shit for it. And it's good to see uh, that people kind of came around and had fun doing it. Um, I enjoy uh, I enjoy anybody playing Dungeons and Dragons or any kind of game. That's fantastic. Well, Blaine, thanks again. Have yourself a great weekend. Yeah. Hey, if you if you want to talk again, if you're ever short of gas or anything, just uh, just let me know. I, I, I'm always always up for talking. All right, man. Thanks, Blaine. Oh, my pleasure. Good to see you, Mark. Thanks to Blaine for jumping on the Zoomer with me for that. I would love to have the whole cast of Nerd Poker make their way in front of the Succotash microphones one of these days. Maybe I should dungeon master a game and invite them all to play. That would be really cool and incredibly terrifying. One of the fun things their show features each week is right after Dan Telfer thanks a bunch of their Patreon supporters. Blaine does a commercial from a variety of fake sponsors, very much in the vein of R. Henderson's pants spots, but the advertisers are all different. Just to give you a sample, I went into their archives over at Nerd Poker and sliced out five different little ads he's read, and they sound a little like, no, actually, they sound exactly like this. Houseman's House Wax, for the shiniest house on the block. Polish up those sheaths with Houseman's House Wax. Birds slide right off. Houseman's House Wax. Oh, I'm John Houseman from the Paper Chase, and I'm here to tell you I'm not legally affiliated with Houseman's House Wax. Houseman's House Wax, no longer affiliated with John Houseman from the Paper Chase. Hi, I'm Big Cath of Big Cath Catheters. You need your cath big? Come see me, Big Cath. I'll be out front. You can't miss me. I'm Big Cath with the Big Catheter. Big Cath on I-64, down in the Dildo District, next to Big Dicks. It's not what you think. Hey, uh, Dan, uh, those uh, Patreon supporters brought to you by WeHaul Movers. You haul, you do it yourself, WeHaul. Uh, call us up. We'll come and get your stuff. It'll get there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> it'll get there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. 
We all movers. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Those Patreon supporters brought to us by Spencer, Spencer, Spencer. Gift, gift, gift. If you need the gift that's inappropriate for your loved one or boss, we have toothbrushes with tits and dancing soda cans. Spencer, Spencer, Spencer. Gifts, gifts, gifts. In the mall next to Spinster, Spinster, Spinster. Gaffs, gaffs, gaffs. Fencer, fencer, fencer. Cliffs, cliffs, cliffs. Gifser, gifser, gifser. Gifts, gifts, gifts. Brothers, brothers, brothers. Give, give, give. Mincer, mincer, mincer. Gum, gum, gum. Shits or shits or shits or farts, farts, farts. And cornhole. Not the game. Well, Dan, those Patreon supporters are brought to us by Selson Brand Dandruff Control Shampoo. Selson Brand when your head is itchy. Selson Brand when your scalp is twitchy. Me and you are subject to some flakes now and then. <laughs> God, I love blinking pads. Go. So put them in a bowl and pour some milk on them. And eat them up again. I got a second verse coming up again. Here oh. we go. Bars Balance Breakfast. Selson brand prescription medication. <laughs> hey, Selson brand available without a prescription <laughs> leaves your hair lustrous and fair and oh what a bounce <coughs> you know it's enough the beats are cereal for dandruff control when measured ounce for ounce when measured ounce for ounce Selson brand dandruff control shampoo dan there's a commercial more or less like those we just sampled on each and every episode of nerd poker Blaine also makes funny, occasionally outrageous quips in real life, which you can catch via his socials through his homogeneous handle at Blaine Kapatch on both Twitter and Instagram. In addition to nerd poker, he's frequently a judge for Story Smash, the storytelling game show that's a spinoff of the story-worthy soundcast from friend of the show Christine Blackburn. And as he mentioned in the chat, look for him performing around L.A. in Lucha Vavoom the burlesque and Mexican wrestling spectacular. Before we close down this episode, how about a little Tweet Sackery? There's our friend Tweety to kick us off with the latest rundown of folks who were kind and decent enough to include our at Succotash show handle in their socials. Let's roll. Misfit Scully, Cosmo Studio 1560, Different Way Games, Nikki Glazer, Juliet Miranda, the Amazing Nerd Show. I shake my head with Lisa and Sam. Jock Doc Podcast. I just recorded a Jock Doc Podcast moments before I recorded this episode, and that will be on in September. I'll tell you more as we get closer. Oxventure Wikia. DAPF Pod Annalise. Pittsburgh New Podcast. Salty Language Pod. Kelvin Parker. Elizabeth Kutcher. Kutcher, I don't know how that's pronounced, C-U-T-R-E-R, Hunter Block, Shane Elliott, Kitey Perry, Straight Talking Ask Alba, Doug Ferrari Comedian, Sugar Armada Booking, Mark Pitta, former guest, Paco Romain, former guest, and then over on SoundCloud, there's Callan and Nancy who started following and sharing us over there on SoundCloud. 
If you're looking for the pass into the tweet sack, just throw our at Succotash show handle into your social media stream. And if I see it, you'll hear it in an upcoming reading of the tweet sack. Episode 316 is now officially over, except for the outro and closing credits from Mr. Haywatt. Thanks again to our special guest this week, Blaine Kapatch. Subscribe to us from any of your favorite places, and Tyson Saner will be heading your way in this same feed next week with Epi 317. My latest review in Vulture.com this month in comedy podcasts featuring Nikki Glazer, guesting on Mark Marin's WTF is still up. There's a link to it on the blog entry for this week's episode at our home site, SuccotashShow.com. So read that, won't you? And other than that, if you happen to find a runaway dog wandering the streets and it seems friendly and you pick it up and read the ID tag and it reads, have you heard anything good lately? Won't you please pass the Succotash? Hmm? You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host, Mark Urshaw. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Rate us and review us at Apple and Google Podcasts. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com. On Spotify. On Stitcher. On iHeartRadio. On YouTube. On SoundCloud. And wherever fine soundcasts are streamed and or downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Succotash Show. Like us on Facebook. Email us at marc at succotashshow.com or call into the Succotash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash you slash Succotash. Succotash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Succotash is executive produced by Mark Hershon. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the Succotash goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production.